Have you noticed how more and more real estate agents are becoming contestants on reality TV shows? And have you been curious to find out whether or not that has been good for the growth of their real estate businesses? If so, today's episode is going to answer this and so much more. In actual fact, we're going to be delving into how you can build your celebrity profile and your brand by thinking outside the box. In actual fact, we're going to be interviewing three career real estate agents who are also now big TV stars thanks to reality TV. Joining me, I have Jesse Rayburn, who appeared on the block and works for the agency in Melbourne. We also have Nikki Gogan, who appeared on The Bachelor and was the runner-up, and she works for Kapoor Young in Perth. And finally, we've got Owen Murphy, who works for Koloshi on the Gold Coast, and he appeared in last year's episode and series of Love Island. And welcome to episode four of the Build Your Best Life video podcast series. I'm your host, Sherry Storer. I'm a hardworking real estate agent and a sales coach. It's my mantra to build your best life and I've been doing exactly this. And throughout this video podcast series, you're going to learn how you can grow your own GCI or gross commission income, your revenue and your profit by implementing proven sales systems and structures into your business. You'll also learn how you can grow and build your own EBU or effective business unit, team and agencies, and how you can truly harness the power of your real estate career to provide you with the wealth and the freedom that you've always dreamt of. So if this sounds like the life that you want to live, tune in and subscribe to this podcast so you get notified every single Tuesday when we go live. Now, in addition to working exclusively with a number of agents and agencies one-on-one, I also run the Build Your Best Life coaching program. Now, this runs on a quarterly platform and not only comes with a series of webinars and coaching forums, but it also comes with the Build Your Best Life sales manual. Now, this particular manual comes out quarterly and in addition to having a number of quarterly, monthly, weekly and daily templates, it also has a number of other sales systems and structures in there. And I have to tell you, quarter two has just been released. So go and check it out if you want to really level up, particularly throughout this period. But if you want to get a look and feel for what these templates are included, as part of this podcast series, I'm giving away a freebie. Yay! And let's face it, we all love a freebie. Now, this particular template essentially is an Excel spreadsheet that is going to help you determine what figures you need to write in order to achieve the life of your dreams. So once you've set your GCI or gross commission income, it's going to automatically personalize and calculate for you how many properties you need to sell, how many properties you need to list and how many listing presentations you you need to do. And again, this will be all personalized specifically for you. So look, if you want a freebie, and again, we all do, you need to head to sherrystorer.com forward slash level up to download your copy and you can start goal setting today. And of course, this podcast would simply not be possible without my superstar sponsor, List Ready. And if you haven't heard of them as yet, go and check out their website, list-ready.com.au. Quite simply, they are the leading VPA finance option here in Australia, and they're really here to support all of us, especially right now, more so than ever, where they can help vendors with with marketing, with styling, with renovating. Um, You are no longer need to be the bank. There are options out there. So go and check them out. 
Anyway, let's get into today's episode. And I am very, very excited and super pumped because we have a celebrity all-star cast. Yay! So let me introduce you to today's guest. We have first up, Jesse Rayburn. Now, Jesse, you would have seen him last year um, with his partner Mel on the block where he was a contestant. Prior to that, he appeared on the show as an auctioneer and as an agent. Um, But look, he works as a high-performing agent for the agency in Melbourne. We also have Nikki Gogan. And Nikki, we all fell in love with her when we saw um, The Bachelor a couple of years ago where she was the the runner-up. But she does with... in in Perth over in Western Australia. And look, she's been a high-performing agent since 2002 and has won multiple awards with the REIWA. So please welcome Nikki. Now, finally, we have Jesse, um, we have Owen Murphy. Now, Owen has been working as a high-performing agent on the Gold Coast for an agency called Koloshi. We have known each other for quite some time. In fact, he was the Rookie of the Year for the REIQ a number of years back. And, um, And you would have seen him most recently on Love Island. So please welcome our guests. So, hello, celebrities, and hello, real estate agents, (laughs) and welcome to the Build Your Best Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I guess we all feel like we kind of know you uh, from seeing you on TV, and we know so much about your personal lives, but really your stint on TV was quite short because you were real estate agents before, and you're all real estate agents after you appeared on your shows and it's really you know this profession that you all sort of excel at but today's podcast is a really interesting one because we are kind of seeing this trend occurring with real estate agents sort of going on a lot of um, you know reality tv shows and so um, as contestants and so I thought it was really interesting today to feature three amazing agents who have all been on reality TV shows and have come out smelling like roses. So I guess- <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> so it got me thinking, you know, are agents today really seeing reality TV, you know, as a stepping stone in terms of building their celebrity profile and building their real estate businesses? So the you know, the three of you have all been on very different shows, some for love, some for some for money, um, and you're all now at very different stages in your career. But look, let's get to the big question. What we want to know is, is being a, a, on a reality TV show, is that good for, for your real estate business? No. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very short and succinct. What about you, Jesse? What do you think? Yeah, for, for me, it's been very beneficial, I guess, because the reality TV show I was on was about real estate. It was about renovating houses, selling them for millions of dollars. Uh, so it has benefited my career, absolutely. And you, Nikki? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if there's a uh, if I would swing either way. Um, uh, there was def- there's definitely a recognition of me, which I think is a positive. Um, getting lots of hugs during home opens was a positive thing. Um, <laughs> but I, um, I, look, I, I don't know if I've necessarily um, benefited professionally in that someone's going to list with me because I was on a reality TV show, but I, I see the benefits of, of having that, that recognition or people feeling like they know me and, connect, and can connect with me. 
Well, look, we're going to get into the nitty gritty about that a little bit later in, in the podcast. But look, Owen, you are kind of like the latest latest of, of the three, I guess, reality TV stars to come out and to come back into the real world and yeah. sort of out of this kind of bubble. And it's it's been about, what, six months, eight months now? Not, not even. Maybe, yeah. when was it? Rap, I got back to Australia in November, started November. So yeah, four months, <laughs> four yeah. or five months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've only it. been back in real estate a month. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, you were on Love Island and, yeah. you know, I feel like you won yourself like millions of fans. I think I sort of said this to you, um, particularly of the female variety, because you <laughs> had this kind of Adonis stature on the, on the show and this crazy Irish accent. Um, yeah. And, you know, you and I have known each other for a little while and yeah. I think we first met when we were both on a panel for the REIQ <laughs> and then I was doing training over a six-month period for Sotheby's where you worked at the time. Yeah. So I tuned into the show because I was I love you and so I was really, really <laughs> keen to see how it was. But I thought that you came, came across really beautifully and you were portrayed quite well. But you were telling me that you that this hasn't necessarily been um, been the case and that you've had some negative um, commentary after this after the show. Yeah, like I've not watched it back. I've not I've only watched the first episode. Um, <laughs> just from hearing things and that, it's like, okay, I'm just like, oh, where did I go wrong? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just like I know how I was in there and how I acted in there. At the end of the day, they can edit, do whatever they want to portray me whatever way they want. I knew that people who know me, my friends, my family, clients, whatever, they know who I am. They know the real me. Um, I didn't go on there for to win the hearts of the nation, put it that way. I went on there for my own personal experience. Um, but, like, even though I said no to having a positive effect on my real estate career, I guess the positive was the fact that there was no negative. Um, like, <laughs> all my clients, every single one of them watched it, and they all loved it, and they all said the same as you. So um, well, I guess I that's you, one good thing to come out of it. <laughs> well, I totally thought you were, you were amazing on it. And, you know, you didn't actually apply to be a part of the show, though, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so tell us about how this happened. No, well, so I went through a breakup maybe like a year and a half before the show started. I was with that girl for eight years. So I got knocked around a bit by that. And um, <laughs> my friend, Jessie, who worked with me at Sotheby's, you know her, Jessie. I Lindsay. do. In fact, she <laughs> works with another one of my agents, oh, uh, well, Tina Benedict go. from um, Gold Coast Property Sales and Rentals. Well, tell Tina to make keep her eye out. She might yeah. do something else. <laughs> yeah. She, um, yeah, she actually started applying on behalf of me for all these different shows like The Bachelor, Love Island back in May and I kept getting these emails and I figured I was her I was like Jesse I'm not doing it like cop onto yourself anyways <laughs> yeah Love Island put out another casting call about two weeks before the show she applied they kept calling me and that all went from there <laughs> so <laughs> thanks Jesse I guess for ruining my life <laughs> everything was going good before then I didn't need it yeah so so obviously there was a time where you know somebody else applied you know, for on your behalf for the show, yeah. you weren't necessarily a willing participant, but something obviously occurred where they came to you and sort of said, hey, listen, we actually really want you on this show. Yeah. What what do we need to do to kind of, you know, get you on here? Tell us about that whole story and how you came to be, you know, actually an active participant. Yeah, so I get the I get the emails and they were a bit generic and it was like, oh, your congratulations. You guys know what it's about. Congratulations, excellent. I'm like, no. So I didn't reply. Then I'm getting calls and more emails and they're becoming personalised. I'm like, all right, I'll just go along with it. So I just went along with it. And within a matter of three days, I was cast. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> and then I was in a spin because I was like, oh, my God, i got to make a decision now. I put myself in a position where I've got to make a decision. And I didn't want to be put in that position, but mm. I just went with it. 
Um, yeah. Also, and you've been in real estate for a while before, obviously, you know, joining the show. You've now been in real estate for, for five years. So yeah, how did you get your years. start in into the business? So you kind of fell into it, didn't you? As most of us do. Literally yeah. fell into it and I had no idea about real estate or anything. I was a bit lost. I was working in the bar. I just got back from England. I was playing soccer over there. I dropped out of high school in year 12 to go over there. Couldn't go to uni, you know, the whole sob story, whatever. <laughs> but I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, um, I had no idea what I want to do. And then my old boss came in a couple of times. We got talking um, and then he offered me the job and I had no idea about it. And I just went in completely raw, no connections. I'm not really from a wealthy family or anything like that. And it just kind of <laughs> grew from there. And you so, did particularly well during this this time. And I mean, we're going to be talking yeah. about some of the activities that you did as an agent yeah. a little bit, you know, um, later in in the show. Yeah. But I think, you know, what's really interesting is that, you know, you obviously had a great career as as an agent, and you'd actually moved agencies across to um, to Koloshi on the on the Gold Coast. Yeah. So, you know, what happened when you decided to to be on this show? Because you had momentum and you had traction that was going on, and yeah. you know, you had written what three fifty in a period yeah. of, of nine, nine months and nine months from starting. From from scratch because our minimum sale price here is 1.5 million and my previous all my previous clientele were probably that around that 1 million mark so I had to walk away from all of that and start again prospecting fresh so yeah matter of I'd call it yeah maybe even six months because if you write off that first three months where you're just trying to cut your ground you know what I mean so um yeah had that good crazy momentum and then I decided to <laughs> walk away from it all <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you know, um, your boss, Michael, had taken uh, a risk on you in terms of joining the business. He's yeah. seen you grow for nine months and then you're sort of saying, oh, listen, I'm thinking about doing this this yeah. reality TV show called called Love Island. I mean, he was probably thinking that you were crazy. Was he supportive of this decision? Yeah. Uh, like, that was the main reason I kind of went on having his support. Um, like, obviously, he's one of the best, probably the top agent in Queensland, if not Australia. Um, and like he looked after me last year. He knew it was one of those things that was like, and this is the exact words he said to me. He's like, look, mate, you're going to def- you're gonna regret it. You may regret it if you go on there, but you're definitely going to regret it if you don't. So just do it um, and we'll always be here for you. So. Which is, which is really beautiful. So, you know, when you were actually on the show, like, did you have yeah. any stock or what happened? Like, what yeah. happened to, you, to your list of properties that you were selling? It was all, it was it, all fate. <laughs> yeah, all fate. So I had three properties listed at the time of casting, which was two weeks before. So I had one listed in Burley and we're taking that to auction. We sold that the Sunday before for 5.375. That was a nice one. <laughs> sure is. So I had five days then to get rid of the other two. And then on the Friday that I flew out to Fiji, we sold one for in Crumbin for 4450 and then the other one for 2.1. So that's a nice little week. <laughs> it sure so, is. We'd, like, yeah. we'd all love to have those kind of yeah. weeks in real estate. But, I mean, these are big numbers. This hasn't yeah. always been, you know, your – you know, the numbers that you've done throughout your career. So, yeah. there, I mean, in fact, there were actually many times throughout your career where you sort of felt that um, maybe it was worth giving giving up, right? No, oh, like even like, like December 2018, it was like when I was decided to join Colossia, it was like, okay, this is my last year. If I don't write what I want to write, I'm out of it. Um, but it was pretty much December time each year. And it's like you're looking back on the year that was and it's like, no, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to – I'm not doing it anymore. But then I realised like – I don't want to talk too much about it, but like my first two years, I was with one agency. And the reason why I wanted to walk away from it is because I was working so hard 
and doing all these things. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Anyone that tells me they like door knocking or cold calling or out of their mind and they need to be checked. No one likes doing that. You know what I mean? Like, if you could sit back on your couch and make money, you'd do it. And you choose it any day of the week over making calls and door knocking. Um, but I'm doing all this stuff and doing everything you're doing. There was just some return wasn't there. But my mind was never in the right place. I was never taught about the long game. I was never yes. it was always about the now and the now, the now, the now. And then there was other factors, not getting paid properly, things like that. So I, I, I really sat down and said, okay, if I go to a place, an environment where I'm looked after and I'm rewarded the way I should be, what would my numbers look like? Okay, they'd look like this. Oh, would you be happy in real estate? Yeah. So I stayed in it and I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so you're now in a position where, you know, literally it's four or five months from the show and yeah. you're starting from scratch again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, we're going to talk about this a little bit later yeah. on, but, you know, how has that been for you? You've come back off this massive high from touring and doing all of yeah. these great things to coming back and saying, oh my gosh, I need to almost start back at ground zero. Yeah. How, how does that feel? Probably it, it like the first week I got back the second day and I cried twice. <laughs> no joke. Cause it's just like, Oh, I've got to do these things all over again. Everything I did last year, I've got to do it again. It's hard. FML? It's exhausting. Yeah. And I'm like, what have I done? But I had probably a good month. I was in Ireland for a month with my family and I really wanted to get back into it in December. So I had the fire in my belly and I really wanted to get back to it. If I was kind of thrown in it, maybe let's say November, I don't think I would have been ready. So I had that time to kind of come to grips with, okay, this is what's going to happen. Have a little bit of time off in Ireland, enjoy yourself, and then just get back stuck in. So, And the prospecting I did last year has paid off this year as well. So right now I'm looking at, okay, how do I make money? I'm getting buyers and I'm, I'm connecting them with, properties that I spoke to last year or sellers that I dealt with last year so yeah well I think you've actually just sold another property with Jamie Harrison who's also going to be featuring on the podcast a little bit later in the episode in um, in the season yeah yeah (laughs) which is which is really cool he's one of my coaching clients so Nikki um you have obviously been working in real estate since you're what 15 I think you you fell into it and you started as a Sunday casual and had Mm -hmm. to wait until you were 18 before you could work Mm -hmm. legally in property management and then uh, went on into to sales a year later and and you know you did all this in your hometown of northern in in WA so tell us about your first 10 years when you were working at First National Northern. So my first um 10 years um were, were, were really fabulous I really I literally fell into real estate um as Owen just pointed out a lot of people do but um it wasn't something that was premeditated I was working um it started off by just working as a Saturday casual and I worked my way up from there um I was sort of you know pushed um by my um, employer at the time to start selling I was a property manager at 18 and he said you'd be a really good sales agent um, it, it wasn't something that I went willingly into but I'm really glad that I did um, so as a 19 year old obviously young female um, I had um, a, a few hurdles but um, it wasn't something that um, I guess I was worried about at the time um, my hometown of Northern has always been really supportive it's very um, com- you know it's community and my family um, have have always been there so I guess um, you know I, I had the local knowledge without even realizing um, and I did work my way up from being a 19 year old to sort of you know early 20s um, uh, having you know like 50% market share but not really um, you know not 
not really having structured goals, just wanting to work hard and, and wanting to go on holidays and wanting to have things that I wanted to do with my life. So um, I, that was very much the reason why I worked really hard and, and built a, a pretty good um, market share or, um, you know, database, I guess, or, um, you know, return and repeat business um, at an early age. Yeah, but it's quite, I mean, you, you obviously achieved a lot in that period of time and you became a director as well. And yeah, yeah. you were telling me that you also um, own an investment property with Steve Hill, who's the, who's the director, yeah. who's the principal, which is kind of really, That's right. really, really cool. And you bought your own house at, at 21 and you gained mm-hmm. this huge, crazy, crazy kind of market share. For somebody who, you know, there's a lot of agents out there who might be listening who are in their early 20s saying, how can you? How can I do this when I'm competing with you know older, more established agents? You went and did it in in that marketplace, but tell me, I mean, how did you come to be on on the Bachelor? Yeah, so I think um, you know it, it was fantastic, and I and I was having an amazing time. It, I, you know, got to my late twenties, and I started to feel, and I was a director, and I guess the the next step was was buying into the company, and um, I, I just got to my yeah, I just had, got to that 27, 28. Um, I had a, a relationship breakdown um, after 13 years um, and I was in a country town. All of my friends and family, well, all of my best friends were married with children um, and I just, that just, I wasn't at the same stage of my life. So um, I guess, you know, The Bachelor came about, um, it was very much something that I fell into again um, but I had reached this point in my life where I was sort of looking for something more like it was a, a sliding sort of doors moment of whether or not I was staying in Northern and buying the company you know I had been invited in just before I, I went on the show um, but I, I just you know I guess it was a realization that I probably wasn't going to meet the love of my life in Northern um, that I needed to get out and do something a little bit different but um, I was on holiday in Bali with um, with one of my girlfriends and it must have been, it, it obviously coincided with the um, finale of The Bachelor at that time because I received a text message from one of my friends at home that said you should apply for The Bachelor and I was like, that's a great idea. I was sitting by the pool, a <laughs> um, couple of cocktails in at that point and so I brought up the application on my phone and filled it out. <laughs> So, I mean, what's so interesting is that the irony then of, you know, applying when you're in Bali and then the, mm-hmm. the finale, because you were on Richie's, Richie's season, um, you know, and, and being, you know, the, the final in the final two, so to speak, and yeah. then literally it was filmed back in, in back Bali. In Bali pretty crazy full circle it was pretty it was pretty crazy my I you know there's funny little things that um you know throughout my life there's there's little um moments or um you know there's swings and roundabouts that sort of come back around it's really fascinating it's funny to sort of joke about it (laughs) and so what's really you know I, I can't even begin to imagine you know after that moment of not coming out of being you know the winner where I guess in essence you know Richie chose um Alex you know, it would have been quite difficult coming back home and you've signed a contract. You literally can't tell anyone what's happened on the show. You're dealing with, right. you know, heart, heartache and you're having to keep it a secret from everyone for essentially three months. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I guess you've then got to go on and relive it when it becomes public three months later. I mean, tell us about that 
that time and you still having to go out and sell real estate how was it for yeah. you so I guess just in the in the lead up my I have always had an amazing support from Steve back at First National Real Estate in Northern so um we were 10 years together um I, you know we sort of set up this like long service leave I might have been away for a week I've you know maximum was three months and it happened to be that I was away for three months um I he he took over all of my listings I think when I so very different um type of um uh, set up and business model um but I think I had about 45 listings when I left um and basically he just took over so he 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 handled everything while I was gone um and um once I was away for three months I had settlements rolling through while I was away so again very very lucky I was getting paid <laughs> um, when I needed to be getting paid to cover my mortgages. So I've got, you know, um, have my own properties and, um, yeah, so that I wouldn't have been able to, to do that. I wouldn't have been able to go away for three months unless that was taken care um, of for me. Um, and, yeah, when, when I got back up, I was away for three months. I got back and I was lucky enough to be able to just slip back in to, you know, where I left off Um and that's very much what I did. Um, I was really lucky to have that to come back to. And it was very difficult. I, I was heartbroken. So I, I came home and um, I did have to put on a face. I did wake up in the morning and, you know, have my moments to myself and psych myself up for the day um, before heading out. And you can imagine, small town. So um, everyone was so excited. Everyone knew exactly where I'd been um, because it was on... Um, uh, it, like it's all very secretive but I had the first date and it was on you know there's some cool stories about my friends and family being in the aisle at Coles where the magazines are on display and they're halfway through and they're like oh my god that's me on the front of the magazine <laughs> um, and they were they were pap shots at the time so um there was only three people in the world that knew where I was going um my you know my mum, my sister and my boss um, and they all had to cover for me. My dad wasn't allowed to know because he sucks at keeping secrets. So um, he he knew enough but he had he didn't know exactly where I was. So um, they all had to cover for me. They only had to cover me for about a week so that, that was good because it, it ended up coming out and my town was really supportive. They were really lovely. When I got home, everyone was very excited um, in, and in no doubt in anyone's mind like that I'd been away, they could roughly tell how long I been away for because I just hadn't been around um and they just assumed that I'd won so everyone was always like ah you know you know and it was all um oh my god that would have been you know and I was like ha 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 so I couldn't say anything and obviously I, I probably overcompensated with my happiness because I was really conscious that people would recognize um my feelings um and that uh, I, I tricked well I tricked everyone no one knew that um I didn't win and I think it came as a massive it did it came as a massive shock to people that knew me um my town um of obviously the nation <laughs> didn't expect that I would um you know didn't expect that it would go that way either but I did very much have a face on that I had to psych myself up for um three and nearly four months because I came home at the beginning of June and finale didn't air until the end of September so it was three and a half to four months um, of me being a fantastic actress um, <laughs> and pretending everything was fine, um, which to be fair, you know, you know, I had about two months before, before it started airing um, and um, I'd sort of, you know, I, I knew that it wasn't me. So I'd started to try and heal and, and try to move on. But then 
when it started, completely different stories because it's sort of reliving in it and it's and I did watch the show completely um, and just looking at me getting those feelings and um, progressing through, I, I think I was back to, you know, by the time finale came around, I was back to square one. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time um, but I had my job uh, and my town to go back to and everything sort of did go back to as normal as possible until really, you know, finale started to come along and it, and, and, and it amped up a bit. Um, the probably the weirdest thing for me probably was um, paparazzi faking um, by being buyers, so faking that they were buyers. Um, but once I worked that out, um, I just... Yeah, tell me about so, that. Yeah, yeah. It was, so they, you know, book, book buyer appointments for me and then, you know, halfway through, you know, yeah, obviously the conversation changed. I was like, sorry, what's, what are you doing? <laughs> and then, you know, um, yeah, they just, you know, had someone hiding in the car with a, with a massive big camera lens. And I was like, okay. So um, it just, yeah, it, like it happened once. Um, Northern is a small town. Everyone knows who I am. So the minute that someone arrived with a massive big camera lens, they were on the phone. I got text messages and I just stayed inside. So those taps were very, very bored in town, I think. <laughs> What's so interesting is that you and Owen are both talking about that you kind of having this big moment and you just wanted this big massive change to occur that you just come off mm. long-term relationships and it was mm. like let's just shake this up and no holds bar all right let's let's go for it which is which is really kind of kind of cool because I think in life you know you only get one opportunity to kind of build your best life and to, to think about that but you know coming home you know you then came back to the same situation and you stayed in Northern for for another year before making making the decision to move to um to East East Fremantle. So tell us a bit about, you know, how you came to, to work at, at Kapoor Young and, and how that came to be. So I, um, I, I, yeah, I, I spent a year in Northern because I was, um, I'm not going to say scared, but I just, I, I didn't know what was next. Um, I knew that I'd had this big sort of, um, uh, this big change and I knew that I still wanted more. So I, I recognised that my um, long-term sort of plans weren't in Northern. However, I still needed to find my feet and just be comfortable with how I was personally. Um, and Northern, you know, after 10 years, um, everything was you know, becoming, well, was very, very easy for me. Um, my career just, you know, the sales and everything just kept ticking along the listings because I'd been there for so long. Um, and the support was still there. So um, the decision to leave Northern was probably one I'd made a few years before, unfortunately, but my heart just wasn't in it anymore. That doesn't mean that I wasn't doing well. So, again, um, you know, this, this sort of juggling where you're like, um, I, I, it wasn't all about career for me. It was what I wanted personally. I just wasn't fulfilled um, and I, I just felt like I wasn't doing my best and I didn't want to be feeling that way um so my sister is based in East Fremantle she's been here for five years um, and East Rio I, I guess there's that family connection but East Rio is is another sort of community feel for me I've spent time in other places in Perth um it was always Perth I was um you know the glittering lights of Melbourne or Sydney are just never something that um appealed to me so and the fact that I ended up in the city is a laugh for some of my girlfriends um, because I've been, 
I am a country girl. Um, anyway, um, I, you know, East Rio is where I, I, I guess it started to feel like home. There's, there's a real community feel here. Um, and I thought, no, that's where I want to be. So um, I actively started looking uh, around at, at agents that were here and who were really active. I wanted to align myself with the best because I, you know, I, I, that's ultimately what I want to be. Um, so and what you had been. Um, what what happened? <laughs> um, so um, Steph um, from Cape Horn Young was the number one agent in the suburb, um, and I thought, yeah, I, I want to be like her, so I'm going to go and yeah. work with her. So we're talking um, about um, Stephanie Dobro. Yeah, Dobro, we are. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so Steph, um, Steph, uh, she um, she has a funny story about um, recognizing me from the show. Um, she was sitting down one night and and had a text message from. Um, James Tostevin, who is obviously a big name in Melbourne, um, and she just th- thinks that's hilarious because it wasn't about, you know, he said, who's this real estate agent on, on The Bachelor? And she sort of texts back, like, what are you doing watching The Bachelor? Um, and they have a bit of a laugh about that. But um, she um, saw me on the show. She knew my sister has – my sister owns a, a clothing boutique here in East Rio, and she, she did go in and say, hey, if, if your sister is ever considering a move, make sure she, she looks me up. So – that's exactly what I did. Hi there, it's me, it's Sherry Stora, and I'm interrupting this interview with a special shout out to my sponsor, ListReady. Now, if you haven't heard of these guys, you need to go and check them out. Head to their website, list-ready.com.au because they are going to change how you look at VPA in this marketplace. And in fact, these guys really are the leading VPA finance solution in Australia. Now, there are a number of common themes that are running right throughout this podcast series, and vendor-paid advertising is most certainly one of them. Now, this is not just because it helps grow an agent's business, but it's really about delivering those exceptional outcomes to our sellers in terms of price and also in terms of timelines. I must admit, I do understand that as an agent, it can often be challenging for an owner to actually find those additional funds to prepare and market their home correctly. And by default, this kind of becomes the agent's issue. So I've always used, you know, VPA finance solutions, but I never really found that overall encompassing kind of right option. That is until I heard about ListReady. And now you know why I'm so excited about them. I guess essentially what they do is they they look at all costs, whether it be renovating, landscaping, marketing, or staging a home right up to $25,000. It's really simple to use. And in fact, at the listing presentation, you grab your phone and you complete an online application form, which literally takes a minute to complete. And within a couple of minutes, once there's approval, the funds will go directly into your trust account. So this is extremely powerful and important because there's no hidden costs, there's no hidden fees for real estate agents. It's really a service that's been bought out of necessity for agents to help their sellers achieve the best possible prices. And in fact, it is actually ListReady's mission statement to actually provide and be the best value for vendors. So look, if you haven't already, go and check out their website, list-ready.com.au, or alternatively, give them a call on 1300 25 you know, it would have been so different because in Northern, the average sale price, and then I think you were telling me your first deal was like substantially higher. It was about 10 times yeah. higher. 
Yeah. So the average, so median house price in Northern when I left was 230,000. I think it's dropped back since then. So rural WA really taking a hit in the market at the moment. Um, but 230,000 median house price when I left and I moved to Perth and um, after 10 days down here, my first sale price was 2.3 million. Um, and I'd never written a million dollar contract before. So I was mm. counting the zeros. And I don't know if this, I don't think the sellers even know that, but they like they're brilliant. They're lovely, lovely people. And um, my first sale, I think it was done at midnight, and they invited me to to have a glass of champagne with them. So we were toasting Verve at midnight to to their home, but my first sale in East Fremantle, and they had no idea. Um, so it was cool, very cool. <laughs> and so all through this time of obviously you selling in Northern, and then obviously moving to. Um, to East Fremantle and and um, and working hard and obviously doing deals at midnight and, and doing great deals and celebrating and having champagne. The producers of um, of the Bachelor were trying to lock you in to be the Bachelorette, right? Yeah. So um, my very much again the, the sliding door sort of moment. So I, I made the decision. Um, uh, I I could have continued on on that reality TV path or um, choose career. Um, and the week, yeah, so the the week that I started with Cape Horn Young was the week that Sophie Monk was announced as the Bachelorette um, because I'd, I'd said no. So I've made a decision, I made the decision um, to, to go with Korea uh, and um, and here we are. <laughs> well, Nikki, I have to say, I love, like all of Australia, I loved you on, on the show and my heart broke for you, but um, but I have to say I really loved watching Sophie Monk. She was so bloody funny. On She's cracking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy, very comfortable to be replaced by Sophie Monk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool. So essentially, you then worked, you know, for two years as a co-agent with Stephanie mm. before going out on on your own. You know, yeah. so tell us about you. You now have been your own full lead agent for how long? Seven months. So, uh, and so yeah. tell us about tell us about this period of time and what that transition and change has been like for you in terms of standing on your own two feet again after doing it previously. Yeah, so I um yeah, when I came down to East Fremantle, I worked with Steph for two years. I was her, her buyer manager. Um and we were a fantastic team. So I really, really enjoyed my time with Steph. Um yeah, I, I saw it as a as sort of like a traineeship for me. I didn't want to come down and assume that I knew everything. I clearly I did not. Um very different markets being um, you know, country town to to big smoke. Um and I just thought that maybe a one to two year period of, of working under someone and, and really learning the way that they do things, learning the ropes of how things happen down here um, before I sort of wanted to then, you know, the aim was always obviously to, to go out in my, on my own. Um, how that looked, I wasn't sure, but um, Steph and I, um, yeah, fun, again, funny how things work out that, um, you know, after two years, um, Steph decided to leave Cape Horn Young um, and that opened up an opportunity for me. So, again, um, things just seemed to work out and, and fall into place for me. And um, that was sort of, you know, mid, middle of middle to end of last year. Um, and I've been um, lead agent uh, over the last seven months and yeah, I'm having a good time. Really good yeah, that's awesome. And I guess because, you know, we obviously know you in your pers personal life and we saw this kind of heartbreak, but, you know, whilst you are still in the middle of a very long story, you know, it is, we do have good news in the fact that you're loved up now, right? 
Yeah. So it was, I think that was, that's probably one of the clearest memories to me or, you know, the fact that when people used to come to home opens and there was a recognition and some used to realise who I was straight up and as I said, you know, they used to not say anything and just like latch on as a hug, um, which is really lovely. Not all. Um, And um, it's really special that people felt comfortable to do that but um I think that, that you know the conversations were often like oh, um, so you know um have, do you, have you found anyone yet do you have, have you found love and I'd be like no and they'd be like oh and they look like feel really sorry for me and they feel really awkward and I'm like no no it's fine um I'm, I'm all good and then sort of like look at me like oh what's wrong with her like why doesn't anyone want her <laughs> but um I I'm I have found love <laughs> um and we've been together for two years so um now it's not awkward when someone asks the question like he's very happy and they're like oh thank god um, and um yeah very very happy everything's worked out <laughs> oh, oh beautiful beautiful so jesse look it's it's your turn next and i know since you're 14 you have absolutely you know, been dying to get onto the block and, in fact, to be a contestant. And I really love your story because most agents would have absolutely done anything to be an agent on the block, which, of course, you um, you ended up doing. But really, for, this, for you, this was essentially a stepping stone. So tell us, how did you actually become an agent in the first place on the show? Yes, obviously, I want to be on being on the show since I was fifteen years old, um, and you know, fifty thousand people apply every single year, so they're terrible odds. Um, so I thought a better way to become a part of the show would be to first become a real estate agent, um, and then to obviously apply to be a contestant. Um, but I thought, how do you become a real estate agent? It's the probably the most difficult listing in Australia to actually get. Everyone would love it. There's huge exposure. Um, and so I came up with a plan to sell them a, a property that they could use on one of the series. And when, you so, say them, when you say them, you're talking about the producers of the show. That's right, the producers of the show. I was watching, um, you know, like the Today Show and I saw an interview being conducted with a guy called Julian Crest and he's the co-creator of the show. And then he said there that he buys all the properties that they use for the series. And so that was my man. Um so I had to obviously first get a listing and so I started calling people who I knew and larger properties and listed a property for $15 million um, and then went out to try to find this person, Julian, to sell him the listing. And after three months of sending messages on LinkedIn, message on Facebook, uh, calling Channel 9, I finally got an introduction to him through a friend of mine and, yeah, tried to sell him this property for $15 million and... I met him for about 45 minutes and he said, Jesse, this thing is way overpriced. I said, I know. Um, he said, it's about $7 million overpriced. I said, look, I agree. He said, well, I'm not going to pay that much. And I said, yeah, but you're the worst developer in Australia. You lose money on every project. But it would be a very good story and it's, you know, it's around the corner. It's in St Kilda. It would be perfect for the next series. Look how well the Gatwick's going to go. Um, and he loved it. He loved my, you know, I was a little bit cheeky. He loved my hustle. He realised how hard I worked to actually get in front of him. And then he said to me, how would you like to be a real estate agent on the show? And that's when he introduced me to Courtney and Hans. And that's how I became the real estate agent. Wonderful. So let's talk about your time as being an agent on the show, because you were the agent and the auctioneer. But let's just talk about you being an agent. I mean, you know, for somebody who, you know, most of the people listening may not be in Melbourne, but we see, you know, the show and we see that there's huge numbers coming through open homes. Uh, there must be, what, how many people, 150, 200 going through? Yeah, there's about 150 to 200 groups of people coming through 
every inspection. And when we were selling the gut, we, we were doing three inspections per week and they go, they were two hour inspections. And it's so difficult to try to work out who's real and who's not. Um, but I, I really wanted to you know, impress the producers because I had the end goal of becoming a contestant. And so out of like you know, 1,600 people that actually came through, I would have called every one of them at least twice to say, hey, do you have interest in buying the property? And for that, because it's a, it's a longer selling process, it's almost three months. Like the campaign ran for eight weeks, but we had access to it a month before that. And I was taking buyers through almost every single day, doing private appointments. And that was my main focus, just to get a good result for Courtney and Hans, um, to impress the producers, to then become a contestant on the show. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that because essentially at the you know you still need the money um, and you know and of course we do have a happy ending um, on that but you know essentially during this time you're working so hard on this one listing you've got 1600 leads that you're that you're following up and you know you're having to work unbelievably hard but in the meantime you've still got other properties and other listings so I mean what happened you know during this time because it sounds like your focus was very much on you know this end game which was to be a contestant yeah well I, I sort of took my foot off the pedal when it came to prospecting for sort of a new business um like because I've obviously been real estate for a while, I was getting new business regardless, but I wasn't trying to set the world on fire with that because um, the block consumes so much of your time when you're selling a property. And I didn't have an assistant at that stage. I didn't have really much support where I was working. It was sort of doing everything on my own. Um, and so, yeah, my business sort of suffered. But I knew that if I became, the end goal was to become the contestant. And I knew that if I put the work in as an agent, if I did a really good shot doing the auction, then the chance of getting on the show, and then obviously if you win money, it's all worthwhile. Well, let's talk about you being the auctioneer because you hadn't really, you know, um, hosted too many auctions or conducted too many auctions in the in the past, and now no. all of a sudden you're on this TV show, which is like the number one TV show in Australia, and the whole all of the country is actually watching you conduct this this auction and you've got a room full of cameras. I mean, tell us about that experience. It surely must have been nerve-wracking. It was, it was nerve-wracking, um, but I think anything, you know, worthwhile doing, you should be a bit nervous about because it shows that you care. And I, I'd only been in real estate for three years when I got the listing and I'd been in real estate three and a half years when I actually did the auction. So very... I guess not as much experience as some of the others. Um, but to me, the, the block auction is very different to a normal auction. Like it is a TV show. It's supposed to be entertaining. And so that's what I wanted to do. I was practicing for probably two months beforehand, getting my auction preamble absolutely perfect. I was calling out bids left, right and centre. Um, before I came up, I was like on the lawn with my mum and dad and they were just throwing out $500 bids, $10 bids, $1,000 bids. I was doing it for like two hours in my board shorts, like just in the sun on the Gold Coast. Um, like I'd never been more prepared for an auction in my entire life. And so whilst I was nervous, I was so excited to get out there. And from the very start, like I was having fun. Um, you know, we're supposed to get there at 12 o'clock to register. Um, I didn't get there until just before four o'clock because I was the last auction. Like I didn't want to know the other results. I didn't want to know if people had a good experience, a bad experience, if they were being heckled. I didn't want to hear what they had to say. I just wanted to go there and do the auction my way. And, and be, on, be on track, be focused on, on this one task. 
yeah, that's right. Just have no distractions and, and try to have fun. I think a lot of auctioneers forget that, like, it is a TV show. Like, it is supposed to be entertaining. And so I was making references to the Collingwood Football Club. I was, you know, giving grief to the, the buyer's advocates. Like, you know, you're trying to buy a lounge chair or you're trying to buy a piece of artwork. What are you doing? Like, put your hand up. And, you know, I got, I got two rounds of applause during the auction and we hadn't even sold the property. It went for one hour. The auction went for one hour. <laughs> but, but the property, <laughs> it did end up selling in the end. And I know, you know, by the, you know, getting getting the last draw, I suppose, of, of being fourth in terms of the, the run-through, I'm sure would have been quite nerve-wracking because, you know, you want to make sure that you've got you've got buyers and you want to do a great job for um for your owners or for Courtney and Hans. But, you know, it ended up selling for $410,000 over the reserve. And tell us about the story. We're talking a lot about the circles here, of, about things that are coming back. Tell us about who were the buyers. Well, it was, it was pretty amazing. I had to go last in the auction order and you know the average apartment at the time in St Kilda is 500,000 these things were selling for three million dollars um the building didn't have the best reputation and so it was a very hard sell so we're really up against it um and I actually ended up selling the apartment to the former owners of the Gatwick which were Rose and Yvette the two sisters and it was honestly like we came third in the auction and the winners had like a quarter page, you know, in the age. And then we had this full page because it was such an amazing story. And, you know, to be able to celebrate with them, like obviously I was living in St Kilda, um, I don't probably know, so I was super passionate about the suburb. And to be able to be a part of history like that, it's just something that no one really gets to experience in a lifetime. <laughs> Well, it certainly did have a, a reputation. I know, I didn't actually know about the Gatwick and I came up for a holiday and stayed in St Kilda because we had friends there and we literally stayed across across the road in an Airbnb not knowing what the Gatwick was and we we're just like, this Airbnb is amazing. Why is it so cheap? We certainly knew at midnight when there were like just alarms and police sirens there the whole entire time. But, you know, it had been published about you know how Channel 9 were trying to, to buy it and how challenging it had been on those negotiations so it certainly was a really you know positive story so you know I guess just coming back to um, to you being a contestant and this end game I mean why did you want to be a contestant was it the prize money what was it about being a contestant on the block that got you so seriously excited well, I've always been like in a, in a bit of an adrenaline junkie, like I love adrenaline sports, riding dirt bikes, surfing, I kiteboard. Um, you know, when I went travelling, most people go to Europe. I went to like Central America. I did like every country from Mexico to Panama and learnt Spanish and staying in places like behind bars in Honduras, like the most dangerous country in the world. And so to me it really was about the adventure of, you know, going on this show, um, only 120 people had ever done it for us, you know, working 24 hours a day and just really proving to yourself that you can do it and challenging yourself. And if I won some prize money, that would be fantastic. Um, but it wasn't about that. It was really about just pushing myself and doing something, a lifelong dream, which was to be a contestant on the show and renovate a house and be proud of it. <laughs> so I think you know what's what's really inter interesting about this is that you know again like a TV show we now assume that reality TV is not really real. So, but on the block, is it real? Like, do you actually have to do the work? What's it What's it all about? Is it as hard as what it looks? 
Yeah, it, it's so much harder than it looks because um, you actually are renovating. And that's why I guess it was beneficial to my career in that people got to see how hard I had to work. And so, you know, we're renovating this house and, um, you know, we, we did timber flooring, we did chevron flooring. It's the hardest flooring to lay. I couldn't find a floor layer in Melbourne who wanted to do it because you have to do it at night from, you know, 7 p.m. till 5 a.m. in the morning and then the other trades come in. And so I just did the whole thing myself. So I was laying Chevron flooring. I'd never done it before. I was literally watching YouTube videos to learn how to do it and then doing it. Um, and I used to be a tiler, so there was two bathrooms. I pretty much tiled the entire thing by myself. Um, and after tools, after 6 o'clock at night, you can't use power tools. So I was marking the tiles, driving, putting them in the car, driving down to this lake like a kilometre away, and jumping out underneath a street light and cutting them with a battery grinder till like five o'clock in the morning. Um, it was insane. Like my girlfriend and I tiled this mosaic feature wall that was eight metres high, Mel and I, and it took us 24 hours. We had three hours sleep and I had to help her put her clothes on the next day because she couldn't lift her arms above her head. <laughs> like it was insane um, just how hard it was. Like I think we, we averaged four hours sleep per night and we were there for 14 weeks with no days off. It was 102 days in total. And out of the 14 Saturdays, I only managed to get some sleep for three of them. So the other three, I just, the other 13 Saturdays, I had no sleep. You're up from 6 a.m. Saturday morning and you go to bed at you know, 11 o'clock on Sunday night. Yeah, that's pretty extreme. And, I mean, obviously I would understand too, and you've just dropped the, the little bomb there, that you obviously were a tradie beforehand. So, you know, the block really is the perfect show for someone who has been a tradie and is also a real estate agent. It's like the perfect kind of, ah, you know, reality t TV show. <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned Mel there, and, and you guys are from the Gold Coast. And, in fact, you've known each other and you met each other on, on the Gold Coast. But... Um, how did you kind of come to be in Melbourne together and how did she feel about being roped into this, you know, television show, even though you'd renovated before, but how did she feel about actually having to do it on live TV? <laughs> well, Mel and I went to the same high school together when we were like 14 and I was friends with her sister, but I didn't really know Mel. And I moved to Melbourne five years ago. She'd already been here for a decade and we didn't know it. We, we weren't talking at the time. And I came home one night a little bit inebriated and um, she came up as a suggested friend and she was Stop looking it. very good. She was looking very good. So I slid into her DM and, um, yeah, literally we went out the next week and I've been with her every weekend since that since that one message. Oh, <laughs> very cool. So obviously, you know, you did an amazing job on the block and you guys walked away with $388,000, which is huge. Congratulations. Huge, yeah, thank you. And, you know, what we're really hearing today is that you weren't on the show because you actually wanted the prize money. You know, you actually were on this show because you wanted the challenge and you wanted to kind of to give it a go and it was something that you were super passionate about. But... What have you actually done with that with that money, with that prize money? Well, we haven't done anything yet. Um, settlement literally happened today. Congratulations! Super exciting. Yeah, so it actually happened like like on my birthday, like the 
like today is like my 30th birthday and so that was so it's like a double whammy like a I turned 30 and then also settlement so we should get paid in the next couple of days which is super exciting oh my god we're all coming for a party, party in Melbourne <laughs> with, with you Happy but yes birthday. it was your 30th birthday yesterday and then settlements today so this is kind of massive so again another kind of sliding sliding doors moment talking about it and literally settlements just just happened is that the settlement you were just talking about before we started the podcast yeah before the podcast I was like I just bumped into the buyer um and yeah that was the settlement for my house on the block that's pretty You're special great. You're very cool and calm and collected about the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I want to clarify, though. Um, when I went on the show, I didn't care about the prize money. Like, if I didn't win anything, I would have been happy to just do it for the experience. But along the way, my mindset changed because of how hard it was um, and how much you put into it. And so by the end of it, like, I was really hoping that, Worst case scenario, we're going to win like $100,000, $50,000 each. I was thinking that that would be fair for the amount of actual work and effort that was that was put into it. And so, yeah, so it, it did change along the way. So I'm glad that we won some money because I probably would have been a bit disappointed after the effort that we did. <laughs> Which is really, really, really cool. So congratulations. But I guess, you know, you've been in real estate too for about five years. And, you know, you moved from Queensland into Melbourne, not really knowing a great deal about Melbourne, not knowing how to be a real estate agent, not knowing, you know, anything really or have many connections in Melbourne. So you ended up um, joining um, Wilson Agents and you're telling me that Marty, Marty Fox hired you, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I like cold called 50 directors and Marty was one of them who I spoke to and I went and saw him and I was just like, you know, long hair, tradie dude, driving a big Ford Ranger, never been to Melbourne, I had no idea about the suburbs and he was like, what are you doing? I told him my story. I was a tradie, had my own business, I want to sell houses, um, you know, I gave up that life to come and do this, I'm going to succeed and he was like, I'm not really hiring at the moment. And I said, this is how it's going to go, Marty. Uh, if you give me the job, I'll come work for you. We'll be an awesome team. I'll make you heaps of money. Or if you don't, I'll be a competitor. And <laughs> I got the job like on the spot and started two weeks later. You're a closer. You go. Yeah, you got to close. <laughs> so tell us about this time where you guys were working together. Oh, it was, it was so much fun. Like, for those of you who are listening and know Marty Fox, like, I reckon he's a Hi, great guy. Marty, bloke. by the way. We'll give him a yeah. shout-out. I've got heaps of respect for the guy. I had the most, the funnest time working for him because he's pretty unorthodox when it comes to real estate and I'm a little bit unorthodox as well when it comes to real estate. Like, both of us don't do the typical, you know, you have to make 100 phone calls a day, you have to do, you know, 10 appraisals a week and, like, that's it's not the way we sort of do business and, He's really about relationship-based. And I was already about that like just because of, I guess, the way I was brought up. And so I'm more interested in having really sound and good relationships and building that referral network. Like, you know, like 80% of your business for me comes from probably, you know, like 10 or 15 people that I know who refer business to me and then off that comes more. Um, but I saw the way he did it. I really liked the way he did it. And I think had I have not worked for him when I started, I'm not sure if I probably would still be in the industry because I don't know if many other directors, uh, you know, would let you take the approach that, you know, what him and I were doing, which was having a lot of fun and doing all, you know, real estate very unorthodox. <laughs> but, I mean, you're now working for for the agency and, you know, throughout the course, going back to your time on the on the block, you know, there was another team that actually wanted 
wanted the agency as their as their agents and there was this competition to see who was going to you know win the appointed you know the appointment of yeah. this agency which look can you can, let's face it can you actually choose um, get any better publicity for for an agency I don't know in terms of you know two contestants on the block literally fighting over your <laughs> your business so tell us about what happened here um, so on the block, we had to do a real estate challenge and the challenge was to go and value five houses in Melbourne and whoever got the closest to that valuation and won the challenge got to choose first and obviously who came second, third and fourth. And I'm pretty sure that it was sort of um, the challenge was designed to sort of put the other contestants against Mel and I to make us the outcast because it's such an unfair challenge, right? Like you go into a house in Albert Park on 150 square metres, it's worth $3 million. And you've got people coming from Perth where, like, you know, Nikki, the average sale price is $230,000. So it's very difficult for them to compete. Um, and so we ended up winning that challenge, obviously, and we got to choose the agents that we wanted, which was the agency. And Paul, Matt and Elise, they came dead last, so they didn't get a choice at all of who their real estate agent was. And... So we were very fortunate. It looked great for the agency. But what was even better was that that night, all the contestants, like we caught up as we do most nights at, you know, 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning when the cameras aren't rolling. And I said, oh, how do you guys feel about it? And they said, oh, we feel fine. Like, it's not your fault. You didn't create the challenge. Like, we know what they're trying to do. Um, and it just, it was amazing, you know, because you want to be friends with these people and, yeah, they were on, on my side about it. They were good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so interesting. Well, look, guys, let's let's talk about a shop and let's talk about you know real estate because you're all you know unbelievable real estate practitioners. Now, Owen, um, you have actually been awarded the REIQ Rookie of the Year previously. So, you know, I know that you're all about doing the right activities that are going to mm. you know gain traction in terms of to, to list properties. So, tell us about what you did in order to gain this traction really quickly coming to the into the industry as somewhat unknown on the Gold Coast? Um, I think what helped me in the first instance, let's say the first year or to win that award, was <laughs> the, the boss I was working for at that time was all about the now, 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 now. I was never taught anything about database building or management. So it was just like, I was just constantly chasing um, listings. And anyways, when I first got in, it was like the old story, because I pushed him when he offered me the job, he was like, oh, you can get started in three, four months. I was like, nah, you've offered me. I want to start now. And I pushed him, pushed him, pushed him. And he's like, all right, you can start, but I don't have anything for you to do. So make some calls. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I made my, I remember he gave me a script and I made my first one. And I'm trembling. Like, I was so scared. I've never made a cold call in my life. And I just hung up and I looked at, like, there was a map in front of me and I just looked at it and I was like, nah, I was 19. I was like, oh, like, this is your chance. Like, hop onto yourself, man up, stop being a pussy. So <laughs> I was like, nah, time to do it. Made the next call and I booked an appraisal. And I know it sounds like a bit cliche or a bit, it didn't happen, but I swear to you, I booked an appraisal in. Um, and we went round and listed it that night. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is an easy game. So I got the, I got the buzz straight away. Um, like I got hooked. So like that first two weeks, I was just on the phone, like eight to six every day. I think I booked like 18 appraisals. Um, my first two weeks of real estate. So then it was just like, okay, I'm just chasing the now. And it was like, if they weren't, if they weren't looking at selling three, six months, I'd just hang up and I wouldn't even write them down. Um, so that's why I kind of did 
decent numbers that first 12 months because it was just I was constantly chasing but what the downside of that is then you go into next year and year after and you don't have anything you know what I mean like I I wasn't in the mindset of managing business anyone that came through the door I wasn't looking at buyers as future sellers or anything like that so every single year for the last five years has been me starting again which apart yeah apart from this year um because I did you know a lot last year and I really knuckled down and I've kind of I've got this mindset and it kind of works you've heard you've probably heard it a hundred times before but the harder you work in real estate the luckier you get <laughs> it's, it's like I'll sit here and I, I, let's I've had periods we've all had periods I'll sit there for two weeks or three weeks and not do anything and won't make calls and not do what I need to do and nothing happens you pick up the phone for a week and all of a sudden you're connecting this one with this one and this your phone's ringing and this has happened here and this has happened there. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't set goals. I don't, because I very rarely follow them. I just know, okay, I've got to do this today. And if I do this every day, that'll be it. So I get up at four, I go to the gym for five, I'm out for six, I let a box drop every day, Monday through to Saturday, um, get in, make calls, knock on doors. And that's about it. Well, we'll certainly have a conversation about setting goals after after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, what's quite interesting is you're talking about the structure, and I think this is quite common in the real estate industry where it's all yeah. about this kind of burn and churn approach. Yeah. And I think that's extremely common. And now hearing you talk about CRM and about working a pipeline and having yeah. systems and structures, and exactly as you say, you know, the more the harder that you work, the luckier that you get. Yeah. But the other element of that is really kind of the hard, the harder that you work, it's about working smarter, not necessarily harder. So then putting those systems and structures in place yeah. and thinking about the future. Because yeah. in 10 years' time, essentially what we want to be doing is we want to make sure that, you yeah. know, that you've got people who are coming in and calling you so that you're not having to pick up that phone and prospect and do all that hard work exactly. and exactly. that's again coming down to you talking about no one likes doing that doing the prospecting yeah. um the other thing that i know that you know you do is that you know coming from this this background of being you know a soccer player and a professional soccer player obviously you had a mentality about discipline yeah and was prepared to do what it took whether you liked it or not to yeah. get to that end goal yeah. and you are obviously used to practicing which is one of the things that we don't really do a lot of in this industry but you know mm. if you're playing professional sport you're practicing before the championships right yeah and you know one of the things that i talk so much about is the fact that your listing presentation is kind of like the championship and yeah. you kind of need to practice to to get along there but game day you know, do you think that having this discipline really helped you overcome the monotony of, you know, of making those cold calls at that time? Because obviously now you're doing more warm calls. Yeah. But do you think that that really helped you? Yeah, 100% because it has to be. Like I've got to – and I'm not trying to be like talk myself up here, but I've got a different mindset like that when it comes to other people. I don't know what it's from. Maybe it's from sport or maybe it's not. It's easy for me in the sense that I can just hone in on something and just do it. Like we got guys in the office, it's like, okay, I'll try and go 30 days without drinking. That's hard. Where I last year went nine months without it. You know what I mean? I can go three months without a cheat meal. I can go to the gym with every, you know what I mean? If I say I'm going to do, I can do it quite easily, which has been good because I've transferred that into real estate. And it's just, it's like, I don't need to set like a 30 day plan or a 60 day plan where I'll just focus on my energy. It's just like, if I want to do it, I can do it and I can do it for long periods of time. So you need to stay, like if you don't have the structure, like it's just, it's hard because you'll just be going, like, I don't want to be wheeling and dealing my whole life. You know what I mean? It's, it taps the energy from you. And if you yeah. can create structure around your business, you know, everything else in the life, in your life, you'll be able to look after, you know, your relationships, your health, all of that stuff. 
Um, so it sounds to me like what you're talking about here is that you've really created, you know, habits. It's not about this hustle oh, anymore. Habit, yeah. You know, and and I think that that's really imperative. So, Nikki, I mean, you've also been recognised as a REIWA finalist of the year for Agent of the Year. Um, so tell us, what do you think makes you a good agent? Uh, I I think I'm here for the for the long haul, Sherry. So, um, you know, I, I've asked myself those questions particularly over the last seven months um uh i i do believe i work really really hard and i think i am um, a great choice for my clients because i think i'll you know I'm, well i know i'll do um anything it takes to to get them sold but not only sold um i want to achieve the best possible price in the marketplace and i'm not convinced that all agents have that thought process um i think um, sometimes um, we can, you know, focus in on what what is good for us. Maybe like um, you know, getting the quick sale, and um, the, the the seller might still be delighted with a quick sale and a good price. But did you get the best possible price? And and that's mm. something that I'm really focused on. Um, I am again just the, the long term game. So it's not necessarily about a hundred calls a day, um, particularly on. And, and look, I've heard that before, and and. You know, I've, I've tried it, um, but, you know, if someone wants to chat with me for 15 <laughs> or 20 okay. minutes, yeah, if someone wants to if someone wants to have a, a really meaningful conversation and, and I'm on the phone for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, then I'm, I'm here for that chat. I'm, I'm not wrapping up after two and a half minutes because you need to make the next call. Um, so I, I think that we all have the ability to um impact people so whether or not they're they're looking to to buy or sell right at this moment if you're um kind and and helpful I, I believe that they will remember that um and that's um I think that's my overall aim that I'm, I'm here to help help people and I want to be um front of mind um when the time comes for them to to deal in real estate I think that's quite interesting because I think a lot of real estate agents, you know, if you ask them what their point of difference is, they will actually say that they, you know, will make the phone calls that they will work harder than any, anyone else. And I think, you know, that's one of, one of the reasons why a lot of vendors see us is exactly the same. We're in, the, in this sea of sameness. What mm. really transpires with you, and it's even in your bio, is the fact that you're very relationship orientated. And again, like Owen was just talking about, having this very much this long-term kind of approach in terms of wanting to be, you know, people's agent for life, um, mm. that this is... A, career for you that you are here for the the long term and I think that's the part that I really see trans translates and sets you apart from um from your marketplace and in your competition Thank you. but you know coming out of the out of the shows you know you guys have all come out with thousands upon thousands of followers and you know oh and I know that you were saying to me that you went in with a thousand followers and you've now got like 52,000 mm -hmm. which is like mind-blowingly kind of crazy and Nikki you've got 85,000 and Jesse, you and you and Mel on your combined Instagram, you've got twenty two thousand. So, you know, literally to to kind of you know go in one day and you're you kind of like a an, an average Joe, and then to come back and all of a sudden you've got this huge massive following and you've got this influencer sort of status. I mean, what what has really happened in terms of this profile that's been built uh, for you both in and out of the real real estate industry? Who's going first? Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, you go first. I'll okay. go first. Um, well, with, with the block, um, you, you don't have your own personal pages. They create a page for you. So it's Jesse and Mel Block. And so everything on our Instagram is all related to the block. And 
I'm, you know, I have two mindsets. Do I, because Mel is not a fan of Instagram, like doesn't really use it, not really on social. She prefers to watch reality TV and not really engage online. Um, so I'm in between two minds. Do I convert that to my personal brand and make it about me doing real estate and, you know, capture those 22,000 followers? Um, or is it going to upset people and do I keep it like block related and use my personal one for real estate? So I'm in between two minds because it's sort of this massive database and massive profile. I can get eyeballs to properties I'm selling that I'm not really using. But like to be honest, I'm just not sure how the public or people who are following that page would react to, you know, seeing me dropping, you know, four listings a week and putting up sold photos and auction videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not really sure uh, how to go well, about it, to be honest. Nice. My advice on that in a, in a moment, but I think you know you're quite unique to um to Owen and, and Nikki because obviously you know we followed you on a real estate kind of journey, whereas you know Owen and Nikki we followed you on finding love and we just mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it wasn't property related at all. So I mean, how do how do you guys handle it, Owen? How do you how do you sort of take care of this? Um, I'm still in that period where it's all like still a bit hot at the moment because obviously the UK version was on and that got. So we're back in the limelight again with all of that stuff. Um, 52,000 followers out of that. How many of them are vendors or exactly. potential sellers of yeah. $2 million properties? Probably none. But um, yeah, so I'd look, it's kind of like, yeah, you get caught, you can get caught up in that world. You can get consumed in it. I think the difference with, let's say, I can't really speak for, let's say, The Bachelor, but let's say Love Island, the contestants that are on there, all young. Um, with me, it was a little bit different. I mean, I had a career. I was set, you know what I mean? Fortunate enough to make a lot of money doing what we do. So when you weigh up what you make, making, let's say, taking photos or selling real estate, like it's chalk and cheese, you know what I mean? You wouldn't even. So like for me, it's just like, oh, cool. It's a number there. That's it. It's nothing. I'm just getting back into real estate. I know you have your words on this. I've never really been a big person with all social and that kind of platform. I'm a bit more old school, so we'll see. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll take your advice when the camera's off and then we'll go from there. Um, well, well, Nikki, I know that, you know, you don't really promote too many of your, your properties on your Instagram page, but, mm-hmm. you know, as an influencer you are, I, I just saw, like, you had an amazing trip um, right across the, the outback. I mean, I'm assuming that that was something that was kind of like a, a, a paid trip. Am I correct? Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely, that one came about um, <laughs> because of my following. <laughs> Influencer life. It's a good life, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's on my bucket list, can I say, so I'm incredibly jealous. Oh, becoming an influencer. <laughs> no, the, the, the Indian, the Pacific Indian trade trip. <laughs> Indian Pacific beyond rail, <laughs> beyond journey. <laughs> journey beyond, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I look I, I definitely don't put myself in in that influencer category I have been very very lucky in some of the things that have come my way um I my following peaked um a, a long time ago and and I'm on the you know that my, my followings dropped back a bit so um I, I I definitely I think that I made a decision you know um, four years ago, whether or not was I was I pursuing reality TV and that and that sort of lifestyle, or or was I, um, you know, focusing on my career and I, I made the career decision. So, um, I do share, um, I do share some of my listings and sales, um, on on Instagram. Instagram is the only um, 
profile that I um profile I use I'm, I'm not big on Facebook um I guess you know the thought my thoughts are similar to the guys in that you know how many sellers or or, or buyers um are on that platform for me how many um follow me um I, I guess I'm you know, I, I very much keep that in mind when I, you know, when I do post as well, though. So it, it's fair, you know, it's fine for me to say um, I'm probably not going to, well, I won't necessarily get my next listing or sale by posting online. But if any potential clients are following me, I don't, you know, I don't want to put off that I am going on holiday all the time. You know, mm. like I'm, I'm very, that's something mm. that plays on my mind I'm a lot. On. Yeah. Um, I, you know, also, you know, some of my buyers and sellers, um, maybe not so much sellers I think if, if you're if you're on the market you, you're looking to be sold and and that's fine but you know buyers and incoming buyers they might not necessarily be like plastered on um you know on an Instagram story and and 85,000 people knowing that they've just bought a property or whatever the yeah. case might be so mm. there's lots of those um that's always in the back of my mind um mm. I'm just um yeah I, I think you could see it as 85,000 potential buyers or sellers but I think in reality it's just not so um and and exactly right I mean essentially you guys have built your following in in a different way where they're following your personality not necessarily your Mm. career and what it is that you do so it is a hard thing because in this industry you know you need to be operating two databases you need to have you know your CRM and then your so your social media is another one so you know one of the things and particularly moving forward now is you know you should be doing social media campaigns for your properties that you have listed. But, you know, if you're targeting your, your followers, you know, essentially you're going to be spending a lot of money for people that aren't necessarily the target market to buy or to to sell a home. So it it is certainly, you know, a challenge. And, you know, Jesse, I think that you've, you know, you've done this, but, you know, my, my advice would certainly be, we want to capitalize on that, on that status. But, you know, I would suggest building another page where you could actually advertise this in your influencer accounts that you've created, um, saying, you know, follow me here for, you know, old Murphy property. Um, And then that way people get Mm. to see that property kind of journey. And I think that that is huge, because realistically, you know, you've gone on this show, you've shared publicly what's what's happening, but it's now about your career and this is how you make money. And we want to work smarter, not not necessarily harder. So, yeah. you know, people who want that, they're certainly going to be, you know, following you on that additional page. So I guess one of the things I'm really curious to know is have you ever won a listing because you were on, you know, reality TV or have you ever lost a listing or a sale because you're on TV? Let's go with you, Jesse. Yeah, sure. I was uh, literally walking um, down the street the other day and this woman shouted at me and then she got very embarrassed because she doesn't usually shout at strangers on the street. <laughs> um, and like literally the next day I went and booked in an appraisal at her house. It's like a $4 million house, only a few hundred metres away from our office. Um, and you managed to take her through a property we're selling at the moment, which is around like six and a half to $7 million. Um, so... Yeah, for me, it has it has worked. Um, I, I sold a couple of properties last week and you know, the vendors didn't tell me that they watched the show or they were fans of it. It wasn't until we actually put the sold sticker up and they're like, oh, we're so excited. You know, like, we loved you on the show, but we didn't want to say anything because <laughs> we didn't want you to think that you just got the business because you're on the show. Um, and even with the buyer, like, it was a really pretty tense negotiation. Mum was in there as well. A beautiful Italian family, but you know, Mum and Nonna's like she's pretty, she's pretty hard ass. Um, 
And yeah, they ended up being, they were huge fans of the shows as well. So I think that probably worked in my favour. Um, and it's, it's, it's just got me in a lot of doors as well that I couldn't get into. So when I was actually, when it came time to sell the property, every potential seller that I knew, I got a phone call from me and I invited them to the, come have a look at the block, come and see what I did. Um, and that's what I did. So I went back to work in August and I didn't really chase any new business for the rest of the year. I was just inviting people to come and see the house to see what I did and building better relationships with the clients I had to let them know that I was back in real estate. Because when the show is on, as you guys know, you're doing radio, you're doing TV, you're flying into state, you're going to events every night of the week. It's so distracting and I didn't want to take on listings knowing that the next day I could be on a plane and not be here or I'm going to be out late at night or early in the morning doing podcasts during the day, you know. And so, yeah, I just thought, you know what, 2019, I'm going to write it off as a gap year um, and then but still keep, in, keep those relationships going by keeping in touch and inviting them to the property to see what I did. And, um, yeah, it worked. Like I invited one client down to have a look. He's probably my best client. I think we've done about 13 deals, like 30 million worth of transactions. And um, he was my first listen sell back. I invited him when I was actually renovating the house. He came down, had a look at it, loved what I was doing. And, you know, my second week back in real estate, I sold a property for him for $3,210,000 in seven days to another client who I invited through to have a look at the property as well. So just by keeping in contact with those good clients, managed to pull a deal together and, you know, sort of set me up for the rest of 2019, to be honest. So what's, what's so cool about this is the fact that you worked so incredibly hard to be a contestant on the on the show, which was your uh, which was your kind of dream moment, but then you really leveraged it to make sure that when you came back out of this kind of adventure that you were going to be making huge money and great moves forward in terms of your of, of your career. But, Nikki, you have a similar story to this, don't you, with some buyers uh-huh, yeah. who purchased a property and never once talked about the fact that you were on the show until the end? Really similar to Jesse, I think that you know the real estate and whole transaction very serious, very um, professional, um, and and they were very much that. And then you know we sort of so the, the the negotiation happens and it's sort of right at the end where everyone sort of relaxes and and we're sold. We're key handover. Like by the way, I loved you on the show, <laughs> and it's just like you know it's all um, you know they, and, and nothing about it until right at the very very end, um, and then sort of it's it's a bit of a laugh. So. Um, I don't, yeah, it's an interesting one, Sherry, because I think, you know, we're all very conscious of how, well, definitely I shouldn't speak on behalf of everyone, but, um, you know, I was really conscious and, you know, wanted to be, um, you know, want to be seen as, as being professional and, and this is a career for me, um, that, you know, I forget that I, I, you know, people just a normal you know we're, we're all just human and, and people yeah. just want to have conversations and everyone has um you know well not again not everyone but people go through heartbreak and and there's mm. different life events that people experience and at the end of the day we are just all human um and you know you can get tied up with being the professional person all the time and and mm. easily forget that you know people just really at the end of the day want to be helped so you help them by buying or selling and and it's you know it's amazing um, thing that we get to be a part of and it's it's not they don't necessarily want you know the the girl in the you know the the corporate dress and um the very professional all the time it's 
um, that I think it's easy to get caught up in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. They, so. they want connection. And I think, you know, that's what's what's really the opportunity I see that if you're going to be on the on a reality TV show, you can actually showcase your, your personality um, so that you're not, as you say, always putting up this facade. And let's face it, people mm. don't like real estate agents. So the more that we kind of put up this facade <laughs> yeah. and we knock it down and actually just yeah. show, hey, listen, I'm actually really cool and normal, um, yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. But you mentioned earlier that, you know, people would come up to you at open homes and they would kind of hug you. And I'm sure that this was very confronting because you don't know who they are, but they're just wanting to take comfort in you. And you're like, don't hug, don't come into my personal space. And you're very sweet about it. That would be quite quite strange. I mean, have you had anything else in terms of listing presentations where it's been a bit awkward, um, you know, as a result of, of being on the show? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. And as I said, I, I think it was probably something that I created in my head um, and it, it's not necessarily, you know, I guess I'm, I'm probably not even um, invited in if they didn't like that about me or um, or even, or some people just don't even know. So, yeah. Um, you know, That's um, even better. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, and quite often it's like, you know, maybe a friend or a family member might be halfway through a campaign and somebody go, you didn't tell me you were on that show. <laughs> so, no, I don't open up with that. <laughs> um, you know, it's not, it's not on the first page of the listing presenter. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, look, I, I think it was very much something that I created in my own head and I've, uh, and even now I've probably, um, need to get away from that a little bit and, and not, you know, sort of worry so much because I was focused, so so focused and so worried about wanting people to see me as being a professional and um, I, I didn't want the show to, to hinder anything. But I, I think in reality it just hasn't, if anything. Um, people feel like they know me and, and they feel like, um, you know, maybe that I'm approachable and, and that I'm, um, you know, I am who I am and, and they come to me because they saw the show and liked me on the show. So um, I, I know we also spoke um, earlier, Sherry, just about saying, you know, I guess in, in everyday life, not everyone's going to like you. Um, yeah. So that's regardless of if you've been a reality TV show or not, um, you can walk into someone's home and for whatever reason you might just not click and that's just and, and that's the way it is and that's okay. Um, you walk into another 10 and, and you get along like a house on fire. So, um, yeah, try not to think about it too much. <laughs> so what about you, Owen? I mean, you're literally yep. coming back and, you know, you're sort of four or five months out of it. And, you know, you are very fresh in people's people's minds hmm. and you are quite, you know, polarising, you know, in terms of people really, really, you know, loving you, particularly the the females, which can also be a bit of a, ne- a negative, let's, let's face it, um, yeah. particularly, you know, with people having perceptions about you looking a certain way. Um, yeah. But you, you weren't always as fit as what you are now, were you? No, I was fat, skinny, fat. <laughs> Short, you know, <laughs> ugly. What was I? I'd probably give myself about a four out of ten. I've notched myself up to about a seven. So, oh, <laughs> well, but, um, but I think now, now looking at, at dealing with buyers, and you've been, yeah. you know, looking taking care of hot buyers and taking them through others' listings until you yeah. actually, you know, build up a portfolio of your own stock list. So, yeah. tell us how has that been that journey been in terms of working with those buyers and their awareness of you on the show. Uh, look, it's been hard. I'm in the early stages. I'm still going through the ups and downs of it all. You know what I mean? I just want to put my head in the sand and just get back to work. I think for me, uh, the biggest positive is the fact that I put a lot of emphasis on 
my service to my sellers over the last two years, just to do whatever I could, whenever I could for them. Um, so I've built really strong relationships with all my past sellers and I speak to them all the time. So they've kind of been on that journey with me through the breakup. They know how, let's say, hard I worked and how I was essentially a social recluse would just work and that was it, wouldn't go out, wouldn't drink, wouldn't do anything. So they were all super happy, super proud for me that I went on this show, you know what I mean? And that I've come out and I've enjoyed myself and now I'm back in work. So I've got that kind of circle of influence now where the referrals will come from and they are coming from. And that's fine. That's pipeline stuff that's going to be there. But it's probably more so this new business coming on. I'm still a little bit hesitant, like, what Nikki said, I'm like, oh my God, what are they going to think of me? You know, is it going to be good, bad? I just am still in the process of just owning it. And the fact, look, I went on it um, and it is what it is. I guess the hardest thing is, though, is that when you go on, probably Love Island, it seemed maybe more as a kind of sleazy or party show when it's that's complete opposite to who I am. One of the main reasons I went on there was because my life was going down a certain path and I needed to get out of my comfort zone and put myself in an uncomfortable situation and see how it could grow. And I did. Um, but yeah, probably the negative is people seeing me as that person, let's say a party person or someone that goes out all that stuff when I'm not like 99% of the time, even now, like I don't, I still like for the last, I don't go out in the weekend. I stay at home with, by myself pretty much most of the time. You know what I mean? Um, it's good and bad at the same time, but it's just like, look, I'm the same person I was before the show. Um, and it is what it is. It'll just take time. I just need to get that kind of negative. It's probably pre, it's like you're pre-qualifying or it's paralysis by analysis. You're overthinking the situation. Yeah. You know, I just need to, to just treat everyone the same. Um, and if they, at the end of the day, if they've got those thoughts, negative thoughts of me, or even positive thoughts on me based on what they saw on the telly, they're an idiot anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's going to judge? We were filmed 24 hours of a day and they're seeing 45-minute episodes. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. like, look, it's so true. I want to deal with people that judge me for me. You know what I mean? So, And I think I'll be right. Just got to get through it. I, I think you will. I think you will too. And I think what's really interesting is talking about going on a party show. If you think, if yeah. you ask most people what they think of real estate agents, a lot of them will tell you that that's their uh, perception true, yeah. of them anyway. Well, that's know? what made me, that's what, that's what my point of difference was, you know, yeah. I kind of probably surprised a lot of my clients because I'm, I'm only 24, 23, 22 when I met them. So they would have this perception that that's who I am. Mm. And that's probably uh, why a lot of younger agents do find it hard to get businesses because, okay, we like your enthusiasm, your youthfulness, whatever, but it's like, have we got to put up with that side? So um, I don't have any of that. So would you do it all over again? I'll start it off. Um, Right now I'd say no, because I have my head in the game. I just want to get back to normal life. Mm. But at the time, it's something I needed to do for myself, for where my life was going. I needed to do it. I had a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what if about I, you? If I, could, if I could rewind the time and have the choice to do it again, I would. But if I was asked to do it tomorrow, I wouldn't do it because I'm, I'm back at work now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so back into head down, bum up, and making a life and a career for, your, for yourself and moving forward. What yeah. about you, Nikki? Would you would you do it all over again? I mean, you've obviously been given the chance to actually be become the bachelorette and you turned that <laughs> one down. But would you um, – would you – you know, recommend the experience of being on the on the Bachelor, you know, as a real estate agent? Uh, good question. Um, I I wouldn't change a thing, Sherry, so I'm I'm glad that I did it. Um, I made the decision not to do it 
to do it again. Um, w- would I recommend it? Um, I think if you're in it for the right reasons, so if you genuinely believe um, that you can and are open to falling in love with someone or finding your life partner on the show, then absolutely. If you're going on it simply to um, get a following or to um, to be famous, I, I think the Australian public will see straight through you. So um, just be clear shot. about what you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, you know, what, what it is, um, you know, why um, it is that you feel like you really want to do something like that. What about you, Jesse? I mean, you obviously talked a lot about the fact that, you know, you had to work incredibly hard whilst you were on the, this show working 14 weeks with very little sleep, um, you know, but would you would you recommend the experience? Would you do it all over again if you had the opportunity to? There was an all-star show coming out tomorrow. Would you do it? <laughs> oh, look, I, I, I would do it because... I guess in the show, the block, there's obviously the opportunity to win money. So, yes, you <laughs> It makes you sense. Don't. It makes sense, right? Like, um, like we won, you know, $400,000 tax-free. So, you know, I'm not going to save that much money in a whole year in real estate, right? And so it's probably a bomb, brother. Mate, I'll replace some properties. <laughs> I'll replace some listings on the gold <laughs> Um, so for me, like it's a, it'd be a no-brainer to do it. But so similar to Owen, I'm so glad like it's over now because I just want to focus on work. I just want to focus on listening and selling because it's such a great industry. It's so rewarding. Um, but if you're not focused, giving it 100% every single day, things slip through the cracks. Like everything you do in real estate, you don't see the results for 120 days. That's the way I look at it. And so. If I'm not doing the phone calls now, then come June, I'm not going to have any business. And so to give up essentially a whole year of your life, you just take a huge backward step in your career. Um, so I don't really want to do that again right now. Well, what I've really what I've really heard from all of you today is that you're all in very different stages after being on on the shows over the last sort of, you know, three plus three plus years, but you're all very committed to your um, careers as real estate agents and all very much committed to, you know, being exceptional agents moving forward. And I've heard that time and time again from all from all of you. So look, thank you so much for being a part of the, the podcast today. Really interesting, cool, fun topic. It's been so nice to connect with you all and hear your stories. But most importantly, I have to ask you, you know, how, if we want to follow you and we want to watch your journey, both in terms of the personal life, but also in the career, how we find you, Jesse. Um, follow me on Facebook or Instagram. It's just Jesse Rayburn or Jesse and Mel of the block for, yeah, more block stuff. But please follow Jesse Rayburn. That's all my real estate. It's all my listing sales. That's where it's at. And Nikki, what about you? So personal, um, and it is mainly personal, a little bit of real estate um, <laughs> thrown in. Um, at, so at Nikki underscore Gogan, or um, my company is at Cape Horn Young uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And Owen, where will we find you? Uh, on Instagram, as always, just click that little blue button. <laughs> at <laughs> Owen Murphy, spelt the right way, and I'll try and keep a show on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us and look forward to catching up with you all very, very soon. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Thanks Sherry. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. So how are you all feeling about that? Oh, that was awesome. Thank you. So you've all got really kind of cool stories and, you know, I know we've got a little bit over time. Thank you so much. I know that you're 
really busy. But, you know, for me, I think the this was a really kind of cool podcast to come to. And there's a lot of similarities in terms of the interview beforehand is actually, I think I was telling you, Jesse, is Thomas McGlynn, who's the general manager for, um, for the agency. And the interview afterwards is with one of my um, top agents here in Brisbane, who's the number one agent in, um, in Brisbane. And, and he's also Irish and the two oh, of you Tony. I often think of the, the, the Tony yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's he's now number one in um in Brisbane he's done 135 million dollars so far this 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 year so obviously I'm Good incredibly proud of where he's risen to he's gone from 624 up to where he is right now yeah. over a two-year period it, it goes to show if you put your head down bum up and you do the right activities and work smarter yeah um what what can actually be be achieved so yeah. look a lot of similarities but thank you all so much for your time today so really cool and fun episode today and big massive thank you to jesse to owen and of course to nikki for being open about their careers and also their personal lives with that which they have shared you know quite publicly but talking about their career is another thing so i hope you've taken some value and to help level up and think about your celebrity profile and how you're operating in the marketplace and of course, big massive thank you to List Ready because when I went to them and sort of said, hey, listen, I want to put together this podcast series. It's all about giving exceptional content to the real, real estate industry and doing it in a free way. They were completely on board. So List Ready, thank you for making my podcast dreams come true. Now, I want to talk about next Tuesday's episode because I'm going to be talking around how you can create massive growth and become the legitimate option in your marketplace and how you can do it quite quickly. I'm going to be deep diving into, you know, how you can level up in your business and more importantly, how you can use platforms such as vendor paid advertising to truly do this in addition to making more wealth. Now, this is a great platform because in a fortnight's time, I'm going to be joined by Tony O'Doherty from Bell Property in Balimba. Now, Tony is the number one agent for Bell in all of Australasia. He's one of my coaching clients and we're going to be talking around his journey and how he got to be number one in such a short period of time. I have to tell you, it's 18 months. It's a great story. But look, if you are keen to build your best life by truly harnessing your real estate career, by implementing proven sales systems and structures, by leveraging your own listing sales and results, by building your own celebrity profile, by learning how to grow and build your own EBU and team, all whilst making great GCI and profit, whilst working less, then you need to register and you need to subscribe to this podcast series so you're notified every single Tuesday when the episodes do in fact go live. And remember, if you want to level up in today's market, and it's important now more than ever that we go back to basics and we put sales systems and templates into place, that you need to sign up for the Build Your Best Life coaching program. Not only does this come with a series of webinars and coaching forums, but it also comes with the manual, which is totally going to revolutionize how you work. It's also going to hold you accountable and put structure into place, which is going to be important now so more than ever when we are working at home. Now, this is my foundational platform. It is a program that has been carefully sort of tested and curated by me and I've been working since 2012 and I've been working with my agents and my coaching clients since 2017. So if you want an understanding for what templates are included in this particular sales manual, I'm giving away a freebie as part of this podcast series. So you need to head to sherrystora.com forward slash BYBL for more information. Now, this particular freebie, it's all around goal setting, goal setting and leveling up. 
So this particular um, segment is all around an Excel spreadsheet, which is going to calculate and personalize how many properties you need to list, how many properties you need to sell, and how many listing presentations you need to do in order to write your own set target or your GCI. Now, it's all personalized and calculated. It does all the hard work for you, and it's for you. It's, it's not generic. So incredibly, incredibly important. If you want this document, you need to head to sherrystora.com forward slash level up, and you'll be able to download it, and you can start goal setting straight away. Now, if you'd like any of the transcripts, any information on the guests, where you can follow them and any, anything else that we've talked about in today's show, you need to head to sherrystora.com forward slash the number four. Thank you so much for tuning in.